I love that song. <laughs> that song has meant a lot to me over the last couple of years. What an amazing truth that you all just sung. It has been an amazing week. It goes by too fast, and I think camp should be two weeks long. Who's with me? I think I didn't hear any counselors talk. I heard that, Tamara. First Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18 in your Bible, please. Today and this week has been full. It's been busy. You know what I'm thankful for tonight? Air conditioning. Yep. In light of this week, and in light of maybe how you feel tonight, we need God's strength, so we better ask Him for it. Would you bow with me? Lord, as we come to you with truth that we've just sung fresh on our hearts, Lord, we need help tonight. We need your power. We need your strength. We need, we need you to guide us to exactly what we need to hear from your word. Lord, we have no other hope but you. We have no other power but you and your word. And so, God, we are fully dependent upon that tonight. God, work in ways that bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Back when I was in college, just a couple of years ago, one evening, my brother-in-law, Chris, he came to me and asked if I could help him out. He had borrowed his sister's car, needed to return it. She lived in Ames, Iowa. Shout out, Ames. Uh, a lot of you over there. He needed a ride back after he dropped off her car. And he asked if I could help him out, give him a ride back. I agreed, followed him up. And as we started going up Highway 69 from Ankeny to Ames, I had some of these thoughts, and it was this. I am going to let him lead. Odds are he'll speed. We can go faster, and I'll just follow him. That way, if we're caught speeding, the odds are he'll be pulled over and not me. And so we're heading up Highway 69. And similar to the last night's story, a state trooper came the other direction. And I looked in my rearview mirror. You're like, this is very familiar. And the state trooper pulled around. And I thought, I'm okay. <laughs> Poor Chris. He's been leading. I'm following him. He's the one speeding. He's going to get it, not me. <laughs> Poor Chris. I'm just, you know, feeling real sorry for him. Glad it's not me. And as I look in my rearview mirror, I begin to realize he's pulling me over. And I think, I'm, well, he, was the, he, was, he was in front of Why are you? He pulls me over, comes to the car and says, hey, were you following that guy in front of you? I said, yeah, I was. I was pretty, pretty nervous about him pulling me over. And he said, okay, I'm going to go pull him over. You follow us up there. You're both going to get tickets. When I told my brother-in-law that, he's like, are you serious? I'm like, I couldn't lie. Sorry, dude. Follow. The word is follow. Who are you following? Reality checked tonight. And you might say, following, didn't, didn't we talk about this last night? And young people, 
being a disciple of Christ, at the very core of being a disciple of Christ, is following after him. This is a big area. This is a huge area. And we want to we sync up right where we were last night. In the life of Elijah, looking at the giant of following, because there's more that we have to explore. This is a big area. And just like last night, I will give you the very same big idea. And here it is. In light of God's mercy, in light of God's mercy, our response must be to fully follow God wherever he leads us. This is a huge thing. It's at the core of following after Jesus Christ. It's Luke 9. It's Luke chapter 14. And when we understand our hearts, we have much to consider about following after Jesus Christ in light of his mercy in saving us. Who you follow really does matter. We looked at Elijah's life last night. And I'm looking forward to chapter 18. But there's a reality check tonight that we want to be real, we want to be honest. And I'm going to ask for some feedback a little bit later in the service. But why do we struggle following God? That reality check is at times, especially in our teenage years, we find it difficult in following after God. Why do we struggle? Let's ask that question tonight. And as we looked at Elijah's life, how do we follow God faithfully? We had two lessons last night that God uses the nobodies from nowhere. And God builds those people as they follow him one obedient step after the next. How do we become a person that fully follows God? And so we kind of flip it around tonight and we say, well, why do we actually struggle in following after God? We're going to learn from Elijah and the nation of Israel. Why do we struggle following after God? Are you ready for some feedback? I am. I'd like to hear from you right now. Why at times do we struggle? Raise your hand. Yes. Because we are sinners, though we are saved, we yet struggle with sin. Why else do we struggle following after God? Hardship. He said peer pressure before that. Give me one more. Distractions. Hardship. Our sin. Distractions. We at times struggle following after God. Do you remember Elijah's life in, King, in 1 Kings chapter 17? Everything is headed to the, to the throwdown, showdown on the mountain. You remember Elijah, what he did to King Ahab, wicked King Ahab? There's not going to be rain for three years. And the courage that it took for Elijah to do that. And what happens next? What does God do to Elijah? Do you remember? He's, yeah, that's right. He sends him hiding. We saw last night... Stop after stop that God is strengthening Elijah's confidence in the Lord through one obedient step at a time. And what did Elijah do at each stop? He obeyed the Lord. He followed the word of the Lord. And we're going to see that again tonight. I love it. I just love how God works. Preparing Elijah for the greatest challenge of his faith as he, as we'll read in just a moment, is going to stand on the mountain 
And he's going against King Ahab, Baal, and all the Baal followers. And God has been shaping him for this moment through ordinary steps of obedience. And Elijah follows. How many of you love 1 Kings 18? You growing up in church and maybe you heard this story. Like, I love this, how God uses Elijah. Would you go to chapter 18, verse 1? After a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the surface of the land. And so what happened? Verse 2. Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. Go down to verse 15, would you? Then Elijah said, as the Lord of the hosts lives before whom I stand, I will present myself to Ahab. Verse 17, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is that you, destroyer of Israel? He replied, I have not destroyed Israel, but you and your father's house have because you've abandoned the Lord's commands and you've followed the Baals. Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Are you catching what's going on here? After three years, the word of the Lord comes and says, Elijah, go to Ahab. And it's on. Showdown's on. And as Elijah meets Ahab, what, what does he say? To Elijah, is that you, trouble of Israel? Are you the one who's brought all this destruction to our land because of the famine? And Elijah's like, it's not me. You have followed after other gods. You have followed after other idols. And God promised that would come. And he's on the mountaintop. Let's look at verse 18 again. Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets, 400 prophets of Asherah. You ready to go? On the mountaintop, meet me there. Gather all the prophets. And guess what? The God who answers with fire, he is the real God. Would you all stand? Just right where we're at. Without talking, just stand. You got to see this visual. There you are on Mount Carmel. And how many? It's Elijah. And I'm not sure how many is in this room. Let's just say 600. Imagine this is you on the mountaintop against 850 worshiper, worshipers and prophets of Baal. Are you intimidated? I probably would be. Elijah's strength and his confidence has made strong. I mean, imagine what this was like. Have a seat. The whole nation is there. And by the way, when it's ever one of you and a lot of them, you shut your mouth, right? But that's not Elijah. The challenge is on. Which God is the real God? And he asked that question. To those following after Baal. Maybe this first obstacle. Maybe this first obstacle. A divided heart. A divided heart. Then Elijah, verse 21, approached all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. 
But if Baal, follow him. But the people, they didn't answer him a word. A divided heart. This is about Israel. This is about their heart for God. But I want you to notice something, please. Notice Israel's problem. The question is this. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? So apparently it's this. Apparently it's not that they didn't want God or they rejected God. It was not that they were not following God, and instead of following Baal, listen right here, the problem is they wanted a little bit of God, and they wanted Baal as well. They were rejecting God. The problem was this, I want some God, and I want some Baal. We know that this has been a problem for Israel, following after God and following after something else. All throughout the Old Testament, we see the Israelites, it's not, it's not they didn't want anything to do with God. That wasn't it. They were quite happy to have God, and well, let's think about it a little bit, and a golden calf, God and Baal. These are all false gods, idols, or God and Asherah, or God and Dagon. It was God and. And is it this, this the struggle of our hearts? It's often, I want God and. It's not always that we completely reject and walk away from God, but we want God and. God, I want you, but I also want this. We're quite happy to have a little bit of God in our life, but the problem is we want God and. And young people, this is nothing more than a divided heart. Think about Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. The first of the Ten Commandments need you to hear this tonight. You shall have no other gods except me. God is not saying, hey, there's a lot of gods out there, and I just want to be number one of all gods. That's not what he's saying. He is saying, I want to be God and God alone in your life. I want all of your hearts, all of your love. And he's saying this, I will satisfy. Did you catch that? It's not God is top on the list of a lot of other idols and gods in my life. God wants all of us. That's exclusive love, exclusive worship. God wants the center. Young people look right up here. We are not the center of our life. God is. It's not God is top of a lot of other things that I really love and enjoy and try to follow. It is God and God alone in our life. And everything else is arranged around that. Let me ask you this. Do you have an and? I want to give you several truths under a divided heart that speak about our struggle in following after God, that divided heart. And I want you to see this, as we've already been talking t tonight, you cannot follow God and. Do you have an and? And you're like, well, what's the blank? That's what you need to evaluate in your heart. God and. Do you love a good buffet? Who loves a good buffet? I mean, come on, right? Okay, quick vote, though. Uh, pizza ranch lovers out there? Now, usually it's a love-hate relationship with Pizza Ranch, so I have to say any Pizza Ranch haters out there. Well, just a couple of you. Okay, okay, my bad. A lot more lovers of Pizza Ranch. You love a good buffet. The greatest buffet that I have ever been to was in Pennsylvania. 
And it was called Shady Maple Schmorgasborg. Look at the size of that place. Amen, Pastor Greg? You've been there. You walk in there and you're like, what is going on? How many buffets are You can't even count them. It's like a warehouse of buffets. And, and, and this place is good. I actually was just double-checking this afternoon. They have about 14,000 Google reviews with like a 4.6 out of 5 ranking. This place is awesome. And you walk in, and you're like, I don't even know where to begin. I'm glad I'm wearing sweatpants because I'm going to eat a lot. <laughs> and it's row after row, and you just, I'll take, I'll take some of that, a little bit of that. I'll take that, but not, not so much of that. I think that's a struggle for us as we follow God. It's not often that we say, well, I don't want God in my life. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cast him aside. The problem is we often want God and. I want a little bit of God, but I don't want it to totally dominate me because that will infringe upon my life and where I'm going and what I want. We often want God and. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters. He's going to hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and, and in this context, it's money. You cannot serve God and, and yet this is our struggle. We want God and. It's not that we've rejected God as a, as a, as, as a follower, but rather he's a small part of our life. And don't we do this at times? We, we worship many things. We worship our friends. And God, our God is our sports. Our God is our stuff. Our God is you fill in the blank. What's the struggle in your hearts that competes for love of Christ most? I want you to go back to the mountaintop. Let's read verses 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only one remaining, I'm the only remaining prophet of the Lord. But the Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. They are to choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. I will prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Then you call in the name of your God. I'll call in the name of Yahweh. The God who answers with fire, he is God. What's happening? Go down further. Go down to verse 27. Or 26, they took the bull he gave them, that he gave them, and they prepared it. And called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound. No one answered. They danced, hobbling around the altar that they had made. Are you, again, are you catching what's happening? You know what's happening? Nothing. Baal's not answering. And guess what? Baal is being exposed. Down to verse 27. A little sarcasm here from Elijah. Okay? At noon, Elijah mocked him and he said, Shout loudly, for he's a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he's wandered away. Or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and waking up. Verse 28. They shout loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. All afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Elijah's like, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's deep in thought. Maybe he's using the restroom and he's busy. 
Maybe you should shout louder a little bit. And they do. They go nuts. But nothing happens. Nothing happens. Why? Because he's not a real God. He's not real, young people. And here's what I want you to see in the second part about a divided heart. There's a lie that we believe, just like the people of Israel. And the lie is this. False gods will never come through and they will satisfy. We believe that. We believe that they actually will satisfy. And they never will the idols of our heart that we go after, they never will satisfy. They never will come through. They never will come to the place where they bring us full joy. And what happens when we worship a God, again, the end in your life, when we worship a God that is not real, that cannot satisfy the idol of our heart, it will leave us disappointed. It will leave us wanting more. When we worship a God or an idol that isn't real and we give our heart and an affection, young people, we are blinded. We are blinded. And it can't satisfy the ultimate longing in our hearts. And yet, what do we do? We're just like Israel. We kind of bounce from one God to the next thinking, well, if that one didn't satisfy, I'll try this over here. This one didn't give me the longing of my heart. How about this one over here? Do you live like that as times? at times? We do. We look to the things around us to provide full joy and satisfaction. The problem is they can't. And Elijah's saying, how long are we going to keep this up? How long are we going to hesitate between two opinions here? If God is God, follow him. And if Baal, follow him. And what did they answer in verse 21? Nothing. They said nothing. An idol is something that promises joy and satisfaction, but it can't live up to the claim. And God is about to expose this on the mountain. And these Baal worshipers lost their mind trying to get their God something to do that he couldn't. Would you look right up here? What are you looking to? you walked into camp this week, what have you been looking to to provide joy and satisfaction that only God can? This is the problem of a divided heart as we follow after God. But see, no personal relationship, catch this please, no boyfriend, no girlfriend, no success, no possession, no status or popularity will ever fully satisfy our hearts. There's only one person who can. Anything else that does not have the, about, the power and ability to fully satisfy young people to leave us wanting more, but that's not our God. That's not our Savior, Jesus Christ. He satisfies and God is about to show in a spectacular way. He is the real God. He can be trusted. He's the God over all. He controls the world. He will always come through. My prayer tonight is that you would see in a fresh that God and following him fully actually satisfies. And it's not a selfish satisfaction. I don't want Jesus just for joy. I don't want Jesus just to get satisfaction. I want Jesus for Jesus. 
That's who our God is. Our God, and here's the truth, will always come through and will always satisfy. It's Elijah's turn because the Baal worshipers, Baal, Baal worshipers well, they went, nothing happened. Elijah's turn. Elijah's turn. Imagine what was going on in his mind. I want to read this, but follow along with me. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. So all the people approached him. Again, play this out in your mind even as I'm reading this. Then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar with the stones in the name of Yahweh. Then this. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about four gallons. Next, he arranged the wood, cut up the bowl, and placed it on the wood. And he said, fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the offering to be burned on the wood. And then he said a second time, and they did it a second time, then a third time, they did it a third time. And so water ran all around the altar. Even the trench was filled with water. I'm not a genius, I promise. But when you're trying to light something up with fire... You don't put water on it. Okay? This wasn't gasoline. That wasn't even around. Okay? I mean, this was water. What kind of confidence do you have in your God when you say, hey, let's put a lot of water on this altar? Because when you're trying to light something up, you don't put a lot of water on it. And I want to note something very quickly about in every possible way, Elijah has actually stacked the deck against himself. Let me highlight some things. They're on Mount Carmel. That's the home base for Baal. This was thought to be the sacred dwelling place of Baal. It's 850 verse 1. They chose the first bull to go on the sacrifice. They went first. Elijah puts all kinds of water on the altar. I mean, how great is this confidence? This is a man who has been shaped by God. An incredible, incredible thing. And so Elijah prays. Go to the text. Stay with me. At the time for the offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet approached the altar and said, Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel. I'm your servant, and that at your word I've done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so the people will know that you, Yahweh, are God, and you have turned their backs. What an amazing thing. What does Elijah want? What does Elijah want? God, make your name great. Turn your people around. And I think, look right up here, what happens next had to be one of the most amazing scenes ever witnessed. As Elijah has prayed and he's called out to God. Imagine you're on the mountaintop. You hear Elijah prayer, pray and then the fire. Whose fire? God's. It comes roaring out of the sky, consumes the entire altar. I mean, how cool is that? Are you, are, what, are you what are you thinking here? I mean, I love fire, I love to burn things, but this had to be unreal. Look what God has done. And if I'm Elijah, by the way, if I'm Elijah and I see fire come down from heaven, what are you doing as you realize this is a TKO and your God wins? 
you're going, yeah, that's right, that's my God. Yes, sir. I'm probably showboating a little bit. I don't think Elijah did that, but there was a response, and it was from the people. Look at verse 39. When all the people saw it, they fell face down, and they said, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. God is the one true God. He will always come through, and he satisfies. Listen carefully in these moments. This is who our God is. He provides. Our God always comes through. Our God works even in difficult circumstances in our life and hardship. Our God hears us. Our God answers. He is the one true God who will satisfy you every single time. And young people, when you go all in following God, you will know that. He alone satisfies. Where's your hope? Where's your hope for joy and satisfaction? Can I tell you something? The faith that Elijah displayed in God, listen very carefully, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen when we love God and, and I wonder what is competing for God's spot in your life. Why don't we follow God? For some, it's the problem of competing loves. For others, it's fear. For some, we struggle following after God because of a divided heart, but for others, it's fear. Let me give you the second obstacle in following after God. It's not just a divided heart, but it's also, it can be a fearful heart. I don't know what you think of when you think of fear. We're now talking about Elijah, by the way. The divided heart was the nation of Israel. This is now Elijah. What do you think of when you think of fear? What scares you the most? You don't have to say it. I've shared this illustration before, but this illustration is so apt, and I did ask my son's permission for fear. But it was when he turned, it's six for the zip line, right? Okay. And so we went out to the zip line, and the gate opens, and this is it right here. Again, I asked his permission. He was cool with it. Because today he went off the zip line. He's like, man, I can't wait till family camp. I'm going all day on the zip line. This is what I think of fear. By the way, some of you have felt that when you've got to the top of the zip line, right? I mean, you felt that way, though you didn't maybe show it. Fear. Fear does things in our life. And I'll give you three things in just a moment. But I want to be clear tonight. Some of us for following after God. Why do we struggle? Because fear of all kinds. And we get to the end of chapter 18. And we read about Elijah wiping out the prophets of Baal. And he goes back to to Mount Carmel and he waits. And God brings the rain. And I want you to see something. Go to the end of chapter 18 because it, it ends with a phrase. And it's right there in verse 46. And the power of the Lord was on Elijah. I mean, let's hold on, hold on, let's recap. All that God did in chapter 17. Fire just came down from the sky in chapter 18. And we learned the power of the Lord was on Elijah. But then we get a few verses into chapter 19. We're like, wait, hold up. 
are we, are we talking about the same guy here? Is this, is this this... Is this the same guy that we just were talking about in chapter 18? Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel, remember that's Ahab's wicked wife, sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the, uh, like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. See verse 3. Then Elijah became afraid. Like, wait a minute, what is going on here? How is this guy afraid of this wicked woman? Elijah, come on, buddy. What did you, what did you just see? What did God just do in your life? And Elijah's response to the threat from Jezebel is one word. It's fear. It's fear, and it's shocking. It takes us off guard. But that's where we live sometimes, that our biggest obstacle in following after God is fear of all kinds. Fear of the unknown, as we've talked about this week. Fear of control. Fear of, if I follow God, will I be happy? Fear of losing what is most precious to us, fear of failure, fear of giving up which we, which we love most. Are you with me tonight? When we think of following after God, often it's fear of some kind or another for various reasons. And here's what we're going to see in Elijah's life. Fear does three things. Number one, it keeps us from following Jesus fully. Throughout chapter 19, Elijah runs. Under a tree and he prays, he prays, I want to die. I'm tired of this, God. And then he goes to a cave. And God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Young people, fear of any kind keeps us from following Jesus fully. Here's what else fear does. It exposes what we really love. Elijah no doubt loved God. Remember, why did he want God to act? For God's name and so his people would turn back to him. When God brought fire from heaven and rain... When Elijah saw that, he had no doubt this fight between Baal and all this worship is over. There's going to be revival. But it didn't happen like Elijah wanted. And he was crushed. Young people, fear exposes what we really love. Because what we love most, more than Jesus, we begin to fear, what if I don't get that? What if I don't get joy? What if I don't get acceptance? We begin to fear that very thing. Fear... And there is a healthy fear. That's not what I'm talking about. Fear that's driven by a desire of the heart that's more than Jesus. It exposes that. It exposes what we really love. And number three, it causes us to forget. And I've held out on telling you this on purpose. What what does Elijah's name mean? My God is God. And we want to say to him in chapter 19 as he's on the run for fear. Man, what are you running for? Remember your name. Remember how God provided at the brook and how he used the ravens. 
Remember the widow and the son. Remember Elijah. What did God just do on the mountain? Look right up here. The problem with fear is we forget. We forget who God is. Fear attacks the attributes of God and his character. Fear not only exposes what we really love, but it causes us to forget who God is. Fear causes us to forget his value that he's supposed to have in our life, his power, his control, and that he works all things for our spiritual good. Young people, fear in our hearts has a way of zeroing out who God is in our minds. And it causes us to look inward rather than to God. Elijah's faith was replaced by fear. That's exactly what happens when we look to our circumstances rather than to our creator. And I wonder tonight, I wonder tonight if for some when you think of following God fully, fear is the first thought into your mind. we consider following God fully, does fear come into our minds? Are we, are we afraid to fully obey God, thinking if I surrender completely to God day in and day out, I might have to give up this, I might have to change this, I don't know if, if I'm going to be happy. Fear, as we think of following after God. Is it following? Is it, isn't it following after God about trust? Yes or no? Yes or no? Do we trust God with all of our life, believer? And if we do, then we go, we follow fully, leaving nothing behind, committing our days to Him. Following God fully is not a one-time decision we do at camp after salvation. Rather, in light of the mercy of God, we live as a daily sacrifice. Listen, and it's a choice that we have to make day after day after day. Who am I going to follow? It's surrender. It's sacrifice. And the question that we see on the mountain is the same question for us tonight. Is this you? Look right up here. That you are hesitating between God and. But if I go all in following after God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where it's going to lead me. Will there be joy? Will there be contentment? What is going to happen? And it's fear. And we ask tonight... Who are you going to follow? And this week, God might, God might have put you right at that crossroad. God might have put you at that very crossroad in your relationship with God. And as you think about for some entering into junior high, for some entering into high school, you may need to decide now moving forward, am I really going to follow fully after God day by day? And please hear this. Not caring about God is the same as not following. 
And for some who claim the name of Christ, tonight we may need to be awakened, awoken to care about God and following him. And for some, tonight might be the culmination of the week and it's decision time. Because we can't go on between two opinions, God and. For some, we may need to respond. But I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this tonight. If you claim the name of Christ and yet have been resisting following God, what's keeping you? from following after God? Is it bitterness? Hurt? Other loves? Other desires? Difficulty? That God has allowed in the past? And perhaps you have come this week like, I'm mad at God. You understand what he's done in my life. You understand what has happened. And what is keeping you from following God is bitterness and hurt and anger. Wondering, can I really trust God? Some of you tonight, you may need to deal with a divided heart. Some of you tonight may need to deal with a fearful heart. Where you maybe have said, you know what, you're right. As I look at life and I've been evaluating day after day this week, you're right, I've not been serious about following after God and I've been bouncing one God and one idol after the next hoping that here I would find joy. And maybe tonight I say, I need to renew my focus. We talked about confession last night and what that looks like. But is your heart divided? Do you have a, a fearful heart? For some, it's God and, and the heart is split. For some, you say, I've, I've been actually resisting. Maybe you'd even say, I've actually just been kind of faking it. I've actually just been doing all the right outward things to keep people off my back, but my heart is divided. I'm fearful. I don't want to fully follow after God. That sounds a little bit negative. And that's not our point tonight, but rather in love saying, where are you at in following after God? But maybe for some tonight, you, you and, and I believe this is true, please hear this. Many of you are following God right now, Amen. We believe that. We don't believe that there's a whole lot of teenagers who aren't following God. There are teenagers who are following God. And God is at work in your life even this week. And you might even say, man, I want to keep that going. I want to keep following after God fully. Not with a divided heart. Not with a fearful heart. I want to keep that going. And you might even say, I want to go where God leads me. And sometimes, young people, it's good to verbalize that. It's good even to acknowledge that yet again to God. God, I want to go wherever you will take me. I've been following you. God, give me strength in the days ahead that I would continue to follow you. God, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. Is that where your heart is? 
And tonight you might say, you know what, I have been following God, and I want to continue to do that. And at times it's good to verbalize those things. And you may want to respond tonight and say, you know what, I want to continue this. And I just want to acknowledge that to God. I think at times it's good to come to that crossroads. No, I'm going I'm to keep going after God. On, on, Mar- on Mount Carmel, there was a showdown between God and the prophets of Baal. But the greatest showdown of all time was at the cross. Yes, in 1 Kings 18, this was an amazing thing that God did, but there was something greater that was coming. And God would send his son to earth to be born. He would go to a cross and he would die. And at the cross, sin and death was defeated. And we know as we've been praying through this week, there are many yet here who don't know Christ. And maybe God has been working on you this week and drawing you to himself. And you need to respond Some have already this week. If you don't know Christ, we would urge you to respond tonight. Respond because you've understood that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. And tonight, place your trust in Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, at Mount Carmel, it was awesome. But at the cross was so much greater. Sinners could be forgiven. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, look right up here. Would you respond and don't wait? Would you bow your head? Would you keep listening? And I know that you're weary. But keep listening. Because we believe that God has been at work and he has work that's yet to be done. And as the piano plays, I just want you to think about what we've talked about the last two nights. And I don't want you to think about anything else. Get a little extra rest in this next minute. I want you to think about life and life with God. Are you fully following after God? Have you realized this week, I've got a divided heart. It's God and. And maybe God this week, little by little, has been tugging on your heart saying, you got to give that up. Would you do that tonight? For many of you, it may be hurt. For some, it may be fear. For some, it's the love of approval and acceptance from others. Are you fully following after God? Is the heart divided? Is the heart fearful? There is not one thing extra spiritual about going back with your counselor. But I do think, I do think it helps us be a bit more serious. It provides accountability. If you need to respond tonight, because it's God and and you want to talk to God about that, we'd encourage you as we sing to respond. If you don't know Christ, 
Heavenly Father, I pray that in this room there are many young people who are following after you. We've seen that this week. We, we know that there are many who are. And God, I pray that that would continue in their life. That they would follow you wherever you lead them. Perhaps those who are following after you. Even tonight want to respond and say, God, I've, I've been following you, and I need your strength, and I want to, to acknowledge to you, God, I'll follow you wherever you lead me. Lord, those who are struggling with sin and not following after you, they're resisting it, they're faking it, they're looking for other places for joy. May they come, seek you, find mercy and help. And God, those who don't know Christ, you draw them to yourself tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you quietly stand? And we're going to sing. And if God has been at work in your hearts, respond. Your counsel will follow you, follow you out and point you to truth.